morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. This is our 199th show. Get ready for the fantastic fireworks when we hit 200. And we'll talk about them in the middle of the show, but we are delighted to be sponsored by BenefitEd. That's BenefitEd.com. Stacy, how are you? I'm doing well, John. I'm doing well. I'm sitting in Florida. I am managing that whole work-life balance by being able to work and be on vacation at the same time, which is a nice thing, right? And uh, I'm in, uh, today's not such an enjoyable day. It's, it's a rainy day, but it's, I think, the one, one rainy day we're going to get for this week and next week. So I will take it. This will be the day that I stay in and do my radio show and catch up on other things. So, so I'm doing well. And how about you? You know what? You're going to call our whole deal into, into under suspicion if you keep saying that work-life balance means working while you're on vacation. Well, I enjoy doing this. I think we don't so know what me, we're talking about. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But see, this has allowed me to do this and still enjoy other things that are going on. See, for me, it is that is what work-life balance is about, being able to kind of keep doing the things you enjoy from work and still being able to do things you want to do with your family. I don't think it's feasible, in all honesty, to be able to completely, you know, separate the two worlds. That's my personal perspective, but I get it. I understand that for some people, that's a really big issue and a really important factor in their lives. So. Yeah, and I got to say that I, that I wouldn't have the slightest idea where you would start if you were going to separate the two pieces. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so, so I, I, you know, this is, the, yeah. this is the, this is the consultant's nightmare, right? This is. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. Because <laughs> my grandmother, who used to run restaurants, so I've used to say, you know, you work, you do your stuff at home, the two end up coming together. She never understood the whole concept of it, the work-life balance thing. So. And, and I understand you're going to go to Gatorland or Gator World or something like that. <laughs> yes. Well, and you have to say, so I'm down here with my, my nephews who are 7 and 12 and teen, and none of which they're all – from up north, who've never seen an alligator or a crocodile or anything of those those um, uh, persuasions, and so they are very excited about this wonderful brochure that showed up, of course, in the package of all the things that we have here in Florida about this place called Gatorland. And so that seems to be that I will be spending a day at Gatorland somewhere along <laughs> this two-week period. So yes, you know, this, this, the, the fun part of, of of doing fun things with family who have not had a chance to to get out and see as much as you have. But I told them there would be some sort of alligators along the way, but they decided they wanted to see the big, the big site. So. <laughs> oh, well, well, you should threaten to feed them to the alligators. That would be just jolly good Christmas cheer. Wow, I lost you over that one, huh? Yeah, sorry. It, it just dropped out. This is also the challenges of being in what I think we have a tornado warning here in Orlando this week. So I apologize. I didn't hear what you said there. <laughs> Oh, I was just suggesting that great Christmas cheer would be, would involve threatening to feed the children to the alligators. <laughs> there you go. That, that one. It, it very well, it very well might, it very well might. We, we, <laughs> when you have this many children in a house together from all different um, uh, groups of families, um, sometimes threatened help a little bit. So that that might be a. a <laughs> we will try not to do too much of it. <laughs> We don't believe in yeah. work-life balance, <laughs> but we do believe in 1950s-style parenting. Yay! <laughs> well, it's Throwback you know, Week on HR Tech Week. Throwback Week. 
That's right. <laughs> and how about you, John? Is it a, a nice, quiet week for you? No, no, no Gatorland visits or anything like that. I'm assuming. Oh, man, <laughs> man, I am. I am having such good work-life balance that I'm doing nothing but work. It's fantastic. I feel so balanced. <laughs> yeah, things are good. Rolling, are rolling into the yeah. end of the year. We're, we're gonna we're gonna learn more about AI over the coming year. Next next time we talk, we should we should have a what's coming segment. Yeah, that would that would be a good idea because because there's a lot of, of of interesting stuff coming both from the research that we're doing, but also I I think next year next year we're going to see more coming out of the HR tech space than we did this year. I feel like this year was a lot of of prep and readiness and building out the algorithms and the tools. I, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen next year if some of these companies actually can move these um, products forward. And you probably have a better idea of that than I do, even. Yeah, well, I was I was just thinking this morning that that this year was really about finessing the things that got started the year before, particularly in the areas that I'm focused on, the AI stuff. So so there were new gigantic leaps forward this year. Maybe we'll see some of those next year. Yeah, that that would be that would be very exciting. There there are still a lot of things that have happened this year. We've had some some big acquisitions and we've had some new changes in, in the way organizations are approaching their HR technology environments and some new organizations that have really gotten into HR tech this year who hadn't previously. So we have all that in the news this uh, week. We have um, Google talking about some of the things they're doing with their enterprise systems and moving their um, job searching functionality and job matching functionality out of beta. We have Ascentis for those who follow the SMB market. Um, picking up, or uh, yeah, Ascentis, make sure I'm saying that correctly, acquiring Cincinnati Time Systems, um, which it, it, me and you will have to talk about this, but at least in their in their announcement this week, the I don't know if it was a typo or if they meant to put this time in there, but they had that a, that the Cincinnati Time Systems has been around since 1896. That's a really long time for a company to be in business. I'm not sure if it's a typo though or not. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. going to bet not, but, but wouldn't it be cool? I mean, 1896, they would definitely be the oldest HR tech company. I know. It would be kind of cool. Very cool. Um, we also have this week um, some great information about uh, some total um, and the things they're doing, which are, you know, nothing huge and major, but, you know, what we would consider sort of maintenance of your HR environment across their entire platform area. Um, and they've got a lot of areas that they cover under the SumTotal banner um, there at Skillsoft. Um, we also have JobBite announcing an integrated partner program and innovative new marketplace. Of course, I was questioning whether this was something we had covered or not already because it feels like we cover one of these innovative partner programs and new marketplaces almost every week in the last six months. So I'm not sure how innovative it is any longer, um, but we can talk a little bit about that. <laughs> there you go. We, we we did say this was going to be my day to be grumpy, right? Because I had to get up right, early right, on my vacation. Right. I, I, right? I'm, I'm going to be Mr. <laughs> Sweetness and Light today. Let me take back the joke about the alligators eating the children. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, we were going to slip rolls today. Um, Paychex acquired Oasis, which is um, a big U.S. HR outsourcing market, which puts them even further into the PEO business. 
Um, and so some interesting stuff there. And then my very favorite, the one that made me most grumpy today, is the Mom Project. And if we get time to talk about it, we probably should spend some time there, which is a job site for moms returning to work, which nabbed $8 million um, in, in funding. And then finally, we have EdCast that also received almost $34 million in funding, which we didn't get a chance to talk about last week and I think is worth mentioning. EdCast is a major competitor to Degreed, who we've talked about quite a few times on the show, um, in the new learning experience platform areas. So, so still a busy week, even though we've got the run-up to the holidays. Everybody's heading out on vacation. There's a lot of stuff still going on, John. Yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the census in Cincinnati systems. I think, I think what's interesting about that one is that it, that it kind of illuminates the bulk of the real HR tech marketplace isn't the flashy new stuff, and it isn't the latest, greatest ROI thing. It's solid, standard performance on simple things like time cards, which is uh, the acquired Cincinnati time system, which is basically a, a punch-the-clock company. Um, and that yeah. fundamental layer is so important, and... You and I never talk. We always talk about the shiny new stuff and who got the money. Um, yeah. But this, who are your people? How do you pay them? How do you know if they were there when they said they were there? Sort of stuff that's at the heart of HRology hardly ever gets a lot of attention. It's not very sexy, but it's very necessary. Well, and it's huge in the fact that this is the stuff that keeps business functioning to some level, right? Uh, that's why workforce management is oftentimes part of the operations team. Um, but it's also a big part of what organizations are held accountable to from a regulation and compliance perspective. So it's really a double-edged sword for a lot of organizations as to how much they want to invest in it and how closely they want to capture it. And it depends a lot on how much they're required and how much they basically balance their books based off of those numbers, right? Um, this organization, Cincinnati Time Systems, also has um, parking systems, video surveillance, and access control. So accessing rooms, environments, locations, tool sets. This, if they're picking up this entire organization and not just the time and attendance group, and that's what it sounds like they are doing right now, this, is, this really broadens the idea of, of where HR sits. To me, that's probably more exciting about this. I, I completely get that the, the basic stuff we talked about, that's all necessary, and we don't often talk about that. But I'm kind of interested in, do, do we think they're going to actually broaden the term that HR will handle parking systems and video surveillance of, of organizations? This gets into the risk and audit area. But it's a big issue for a lot of organizations, right? Well, well, I, I think these things have always been a part of HR. Right? It's, it, not everywhere. Not everywhere. People, companies differentiate in different ways. But generally speaking, HR includes the doctor if there's a factory doctor and the nurses and HR includes the assignment of parking passes and badges and basic security I mean if you if you have background checking from the security department there's kind of something wrong with you right because background checking and security are the same question and yeah. so so there, there are all these there are all these little things that Sometimes they're part of a facilities organization. Sometimes they're part of operations. But in general, they live in the same uh, space as HR. So I don't, I'm not sure that I see it as new. It's, I don't know anybody who offers this full spectrum of things that HR does, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. 
Well, it'll be a space to watch. I mean, this is not a, a, a small company. You know, they, they've got 50 different manufacturers in this organization, along with um, over 35,000 clients that are currently um, part of the, the picture under Cincinnati Time Systems. Again, I don't know how deep or wide this sort of acquisition goes or if it includes everything or part of it, but really, I think, to me, opens up a window to what HR could become or could be dealing with it. I think you're right. It, you know, HR deals with it anyways. The question is, do they own all of this side of it, right? Especially when we start talking about the world of Internet of Things where access and um, security become even bigger, right? Right. Cool. And then, and then to completely leap time and space, Google is, has poached um, Thomas Curian to move their cloud business along. So Google has sort of acknowledge that they don't know anything about the enterprise business. There's <laughs> a guy from Oracle. Um, I, it's hard for me to imagine that somebody from Oracle would fit into the Google organization and last, but new big Oracle hotshot has co is coming to bring sense to the cloud business at Google. Yeah, this one is quite interesting. Now, uh, Thomas Curian um, had taken a leave of absence from Oracle, um, and one of the reasons they, they were stating and has been known for a while was that he was taking leave of absence um, because of a difference of opinion with Larry Ellison over the cloud strategy. And so my sense is, I guess, the, the Google strategy must be more in line with what he was thinking would be appropriate for the cloud. Is, would that be what you're thinking in Google? I don't know. It's either that or he needed a job. I, <laughs> I don't know how to tell which. Uh, this one, I, I think that it's worth, you know, the, the conversation here is, is is as much about the fact that Google, yes, they didn't may not have known how to really get into the sort of ERP side of things, or maybe they're just realizing now that they're, it's a bigger business maybe than they originally thought. I don't know. But this is, this is a big turn from, from what I think they've been trying to do, which is enter the enterprise business through the consumer side, right? If they bring someone in who has experience with the idea that enterprise applications and platforms and solutions are are not driven strictly from the consumer side, but are that are separate entities in and of themselves, that could change their whole model if that's the direction they're going. Well, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at a cloud provider competitive positioning chart from Synergy Research Group, and it shows Amazon as the 800-pound gorilla with Microsoft way in the back and Google trailing them and Oracle down in the pathetics. The reality may not be that. Um, the idea that Amazon knows how to service enterprise customers somehow better than Oracle or Google or Microsoft, I'm not I'm not sure that that's that that's the right way to read this, mm -hmm. but but I I have a hard time making making sense out of the move, and I guess I don't know I don't know it's, it'll it'll be interesting to see to see if this guy can materially change the positioning. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see if you know I, Google's always mentioned in those big pictures, but they're not near the, the amount of numbers that we are seeing either from Amazon or Microsoft in those pictures, right? Right. And and yeah, I, I think the the conversation will be: Is it possible for anyone to catch up to where Amazon and Microsoft are at at this point in time? And we'll we'll wait and see on that, right? I guess some of it depends a little bit on whether or not their cloud has anything worth making the move to it for, right? Right. So let me tell you about Benefit Ed again.
Benefit Ed helps your workforce get the most out of your employer match program. Employee choice, offered exclusively by Benefit Ed, enables employees to decide if they want their employer match contributions to be allocated to student loan repayment, retirement, or both. Increase plan participation and offer an innovative benefit without a increase in overall benefit spend. Compete for the best talent and build your dream team. Learn more at youbenefited.com slash hrtech. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrtech. And we are really glad they're on board with us. All right. So, so after Google saves the world, then more Google saves the world. More Google says the world. So this one is about, again, their enterprise systems, the idea of, of you know, cloud being in general the, the broader picture, but there are enterprise platforms as well and enterprise applications, and one of those being the HR technology space. Um, Google this year went heavily into the recruiting space, particularly in the uh, job matching space, and it. The announcement in the last few weeks has been they are taking their what they call this candidate discovery tool out of beta. Now they've had a couple of different tools in beta in their own individual sort of little things in, in Google, but they're all part of the bigger picture of the sort of Google recruiting application that they're creating, correct? Right. That's right. So yeah. So so this is the hiring dashboard that's part of um uh, Google's enterprise G Suite platform. They 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 noted that they launched over a year ago in June, um, and now the candidate discovering component has gone out of beta testing. Now your comment on this, I thought, which was not really untrue, is that Google never really takes anything out of beta, do they? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Why. Maybe they just needed a little bit of attention here. I'm not sure why this was a big deal. Um, I'm not sure why it merited um, a press release because Google is professional beta. That's the way they run the company. So I so, so I have no idea why why they would do this other than perhaps they're running into sales friction with people who are not so quick to be like Silicon Valley and buy into a beta. Maybe that's what, yeah. what's going on here. Yeah. And they have a couple of customer quotes in here. They also, it sounds like, in here are trying to show how they're also supporting the rest of the recruiting business. So they noted in here, according to um, Google, that CareerBuilder, which uses cloud talent solutions, saw a 15% lift in users who view jobs sent through the alerts. So there's also, I think, maybe part of the we're also helping our partners a little bit more ecosystem conversation going on here that we don't normally get in some of these announcements, and it could be that maybe Google wants to sort of push off some of that um, conversation about co-opetition versus, co versus competition, right? Well, well, that could be right, and it's kind of news. I don't think it's publicly understood that CareerBuilder um, um, uses the Google matching engine. Yeah. Right? I just I had an hour-long conversation with my new introduction to the, their head of marketing yesterday, and that never came up. <laughs> so, so maybe they're trying to get the word out that people actually use this stuff. Well, and and is this you know is this going to be a play like their 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 search bar? Right, you know, most of the the known 
technologies in the market today started their search technology and their search algorithms based off of using Google's search tool sets, right? right. Is that what we're we're seeing them really make a pitch for that they're that they want to be the the same thing on the on the job seeking side as well, the matching component? That's that's so so there are there are a couple of players who are trying to become the HR intelligence layer is how I describe it, uh, and they are IBM and Google. Uh, and what what yeah. they want is to have the they don't call it a taxonomy at Google; they call it a taxonomy at IBM. They want the the basic structure of work that that's at the heart of both both companies' systems to be the heart of all of HR, right? Yeah. And so if you if you've got if you've got a taxonomy that covers recruiting, um, there's no reason you can't extend the data so that it starts to cover learning and development and internal mobility and onboard and all of the things can be wrapped around a single taxonomy, and that puts you in the enterprise business. Right? And it's a it's a way to get into the enterprise business, but but that's what's going on here at the, at the heart. Yeah. And at the end of the day, then, it's not you working directly with customers. It's all the various applications basically buying your your software or your element or your programming to fit inside of their tool sets, right? That's, that's the bigger play that they're probably going for. At least it sounds like it's, it's, it's that. Yeah, but it's the right? Intel inside when the Intel inside is software and yeah. intelligence. Yeah. Cool. So it'll be interesting yeah, to watch they're doing. Now, the other sort of announcements we have today are, are not probably as sort of futuristic or maybe even historical. Like we had our 1886 or 96, whatever it was. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati system. The, the oldest, you can tell I'm a little bit on vacation still. <laughs> uh, the oldest like, HR tech company is 200 years old. Exactly. I'm it, it just I'm being a little snarky, yes. But um, some total had a lot of announcements this week, and me and you sort of talked about this. This goes a lot along with the idea of sort of what is happening with um, Ascentis and, and then other any other organization that sort of meets the needs of the day to day business of HR. Um, some total we haven't heard a lot from in the last couple of uh, years. Um, they've just been quietly sort of humming along. They 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 are now under the Skillsoft company banner, um, but they just launched like this big announcement. This entire sort of list of updates to their applications. Most of them are pretty basic updates. You know, more things to improve productivity for recruiters. Um, a new sort of uh, engaging and compelling learner experience. And they've got big investment. Obviously, some total starting point was in the LMS space. Um, they now have mobile and in that environment, which I'm sure they had some level of mobile, but they've improved it. They're improving their compliance and their workforce management tools. It just sort of goes on and on and on. And I'm just thinking, as I was reading this list, I'm just thinking, there's no cohesive message here. It's just, we're making this better, we're making this better, we're improving this, we're doing this. And all I could think about is that these are updates that, that every new administrator has to look at and make some decisions about whether or not they're going to have an impact on their organization and, and how they needed to manage those updates. Because they're, they're slightly more than technical updates, but not as heavy as a big lift update, right? These are, these are sort of slight functional updates. And that seems to be a conversation that organizations are having a lot, which is how much investment do I need to make as an organization in all these updates that all the cloud applications are making on at least a 
biannual, every 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 or multiple annual level, or sometimes even on a monthly basis when they're technical updates. And so, I don't know, John, have you in your AI world are there a lot of conversations being had about updates and how often people have to invest resources in that and functional updates like this, how important they are to organizations? So, so the 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 really interesting thing about AI, as as I see it, is that um, this update process is assumed to be moment to moment, right? If if a machine if a machine learning tool um, learns something, then the result of it learning something is that it now does something different, right? Everything, right? And and so that's Everything, the nature yeah. of of intelligent tools is that that the the update flow is continuous and driven and driven by the very nature of the tool being intelligent. So it, so so it learns from the last thing it did, which means it's going to do the next thing differently. Exactly. Yeah. And, Which and that, means it has that's to hard for administrators, monitors. right? That's really hard yeah. for administrators. It's, that's not predictable. Yeah. And, and you know, you've mentioned this before that that AI today is sort of like a three-year-old, and, and every three-year-old needs a babysitter, right? <laughs> so, is is HR administration beginning to become much more of babysitters? And I say that in the most kindest of terms because I had wonderful babysitters when I was raising my children who, who did amazing things with my children, helped them grow and develop in ways that, you know, maybe I couldn't because I didn't really enjoy getting down on the ground and playing blocks as much as they did, but they might have. The right administrators will be all about how much they sort of take ownership of some of these updates. And that sounds a little far-fetched, but I think that's the direction that we're heading here. Oh, I don't know that that's far-fetched at all, but, but, but you might think about it a little differently. When, when I try to think about this question, I'm really sure that every employee in every organization is going to have 10 or 15 data models about them, how they are on teams, what their basic performance is, what their profile is, what their learning trajectory is, what their internal mobility is. You know, each one of those things will be a separate model, and the models won't inherently agree, and the models will do the things that models do, and, and one of the things that models do is they wear out. Um, and, and the way that they wear out is when they're learning, they produce productivity improvement, and when they stop learning, they go flat. So every time they go flat, you run into a, into a productivity plateau that you need to fix, and that means replacing the model. Um, in order to do that, because nobody knows how fast they go fast they wear out and you have to have in work for every data model that you have that's live and operating you have to have at least one being prepared for when the old one fails right so i imagine this great big giant incubator of of um, of data models that um are being readied for replacement and then underneath the ones that are being read for replacement, you have to have research into what could be a better model, right? So there are, there are, for each of the 10 or 15 data models that every employee has, there's a spare being built and an improved version being built. And you have to have mechanisms for understanding all of those things. And so I think that's what the, the babysitter role is going to look more like incubator management role. Interesting. 
Yeah. And and I think the other side of it, I mean, that all sounds exciting and thrilling and, and, and could lead to some of the most, you know, sort of groundbreaking, you know, um, changes that we've ever seen in the workspace. But there will also be a lot of just simple sort of system and security and to some extent risk assessment that needs to be done on whether or not those models, I would assume, could do damage as well, right? And so yep. to me, there's there's two sides to that picture. And that right now, we're, we're building the acumen, I guess is a good way to put it, for how people are going to start to do this by just in the cloud environment, you know, it's really easy, particularly for mid-market and small organizations to feel like, oh, I got a technical update. It doesn't seem like it's going to really impact my organization and to do that update without testing. And then we, you know, we hear these stories about well, when it, when, when it, we did it without testing, it broke this, it broke that, it did this, right? It is not seamless. You have to really do testing. And I think that's the acumen that we're going to have to build in all of this sort of model for the new HR technologist role, right? Is they have to be aware enough of what's happening to know where they need to do the testing at and all this, right? That's right. And it's going to be testing of a different kind. Because if you, you, when you test an intelligence tool, you don't get hard and fast answers. You get approximate answers. You get probabilities. And it's going to require people who are capable of understanding those things. And, and they're not the people from IT. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely going to be a, an interesting picture in the future as to who owns and who manages this, um, whether it's IT, HR, or HRIT, or maybe some other group that starts to manage this. Maybe it's the chief ethical officer, officer like we talked about last week with uh, Salesforce.com, right? Yep. Well, we're glomming towards the end of the year. Let's wrap today and um, wish everybody a good holiday. Sounds like a good plan. I didn't get yeah. Yep, sounds like a good plan. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're cutting up again. Uh, the, the wind is picking up. I didn't get to complain a little bit about the mom project, but we'll add it to the news clips today. <laughs> I think okay, yeah, we'll, there's, we'll there's listen. There's something to be said about Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and thanks, Benefit Ed, for sponsoring us. You can learn more about them at youbenefited.com slash hrtech. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, one step closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you around. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone.